Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hi guys, I'm really excited to be doing part two of our brand new collection called The Crown. Um, The Queen is someone that I really, really love talking about. And so we're going to be doing three parts to this series. The last part will be next week, but make sure that you go back and have a listen to last week where I kind of broke down the reactions to her death and we pulled apart why, why some people are mourning and while others were celebrating, which of course, as you would know, I consider to be extremely disrespectful. And we did a little bit of a dig uh, as to why that might be. And we talked a bit about colonialism and I had quite a few people message me and go, I had no idea you've helped me to really understand, you know, something that, I mean, we all know, we all know that Australia, you know, has got a queen and we're part of the monarchy. And yet it's something we really don't study in our, in our history of what all of that means. So I think that really helps some of you today. I want to talk a little bit more personally about the queen. And I've called this episode, my queen of hearts. I saw an article last week, and that was the title in the newspaper, Queen of Hearts. And straight away, I was like, oh, I'm going to take that for the podcast this week because um, I, for two reasons, is I think she really did lead from her heart, even though some people would say, oh, but she was not very emotional, but you'll see today uh, what I mean, but also because um, I really loved her. And so I want to uh, unpack today my 14 kind of unusual reasons. I think you're going to find some of them funny and hopefully a lot of them inspiring of why I loved her so much. And I've always been fascinated with the queen because of how she navigated her role and even more fascinated because she was a female. And there really are not many females in such positions of power that I look up to, let alone those who actually have got Uh, true core Christian values. And she was someone who led with kindness and strength simultaneously. And I've been very moved uh, just watching how she has sacrificed her whole life to serve God and country and the people. And I think there's so much that we can learn from her. And, you know, I say to Cameron all the time, being a female in a leadership position is not always easy. There are plenty of guys to look to. There are plenty of guys for Cameron to look up to. But when it comes to females navigating these roles well, there really aren't that very many of them. Not not many that I really resonate with who aren't, you know, all about themselves. And the Queen just strikes me as somebody who uh, who led in such a way that I would love to, you know, learn from and to be able to emulate So I am going to talk to you in just a moment about the 14 unusual reasons why I love her. Um, I think she has, she is the most inspiring person and female to have lived in my lifetime. I consider her to be like nobody else, especially when so many other Christian leaders around us are just not making it well. They're not journeying well to the end. They're all sorts of moral fools and you know, just Christian leaders that we're meant to be able to look up to that, um, you know, for one reason or another, end up, uh, you know, in a, in a bit of a fall from grace, I, I guess. But the queen made it, you know, she reigned for over 70 years and she just did such an exemplary job and she never wavered. 
And um, I thought it was interesting to let you guys know, you might have noticed she was not someone to sit down and give personal interviews. Uh, She actually only ever gave one in her entire reign. And that was in uh, 2018 at the 65th anniversary of her coronation. She's actually been dubbed as Elizabeth the Silent. But yet in reality, I think her her life screams volumes. And the fact that she is enveloped in a little bit of mystery, I think makes her even the more appealing. So let's have a quick look at how and when she became queen. And then I want to talk to you about what, like, what is the role of queen or the role of the monarchy, because so many of you don't actually understand these basics. We're not, I don't know if I said this before, but we're not taught them in history you know, here we are a country being governed by the monarchy. We're not governed, but we are under a monarchy and we don't even really know what that means. But when you hear today what exactly her role was or what now is the role of the king, it's actually quite amazing and quite um, when done properly. This is probably one of the main reasons why I would really hate to think that maybe one day Australia would go forward without this without uh, the monarchy as our head. So how did she become queen? Her uncle was actually the king. She was never in line to becoming queen, Uh, but her uncle fell in love with a divorced woman, but he wasn't allowed to be king and marry her. But he was so in love with her that he abdicated so that he could marry her, which automatically made Elizabeth's father become the king. And she was very little at the time. Now, when she was 25 and had two small kids, he actually died. And she was on a royal tour 5,000 miles from home. So can you imagine, here she is on a royal tour. Uh, She's, you know, a young married woman, 25, two small children. And not only is she mourning the loss of her father, but at the same time, she's thrown into this huge role you know, this young 25-year-old female all of a sudden becoming the queen of her people, I cannot imagine. So what was her role? Well, first and foremost, the monarchy, the head of the monarchy, the queen, or as it is now, the king, are the head of the state. Okay, so, but even though, like I said last week, though they're the head of the state, only the elected parliament can make and pass legislation. But she still had a lot of representational duties, which saw her at endless ceremonies. She went on a lot of visits abroad to other Commonwealth countries, and of course, Australia being one of them. She mostly was the focus of national identity and unity and pride. You know, there are a lot of people who would call themselves a royalist. They love the royal family. And her role was important, and the role of the monarchy is important, to give everyone a sense of stability and continuity. Another thing that the queen would do would be to recognize excellence and success. So she would give awards and honors and medals. Uh, Another thing she supported was the ideal of voluntary service. Now, something you might not know is she was also the head of the armed forces. What a girl boss, right? And she is the only person who can declare the country is at war. And when it's over, of course, with the advice of the government, uh, can also declare that war is over. Now, you might have seen her in, you know, movies or whatever that she would seem to spend a lot of time at her desk with a red box signing documents. These are actually official government documents that she had to read and sometimes sign each day. Now, one of the major roles of the Queen that some people do not focus on 
um, was the fact that she actually served not only as head of the state, not only as head of the armed forces, but guys, she was the head of the church. So Christianity is the state religion of England, and the queen served as the head of the church and the defender of the faith. That is actually her title, head of the church, defender of the faith. Um, Now, her role was to keep church and state functioning together. This is the part of her role that I love. This is the part that I would be sad to see go. Her role was to conserve and maintain the church. So she, and now the king, of course, but she had to make sure that the state was governed first and foremost by God-honoring principles. So her role was to help the church and the government walk hand in hand. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And our country has gone far from that. The government should be, um, according to, to her role as the head of the church, the government should be informed by the morals and ethics of the church. So she basically saw herself as serving God, serving the church, serving her nation and serving people. I cannot think of a more important role than this for a nation. This is why we need a monarchy. This is why we need a queen or a king. And this is why I don't want to see the end of the monarchy. It's just one more step towards a secular society and one more step away from our roots as a Christian society. It's one more step away from a godly society. And to lose the person called by God to keep you know, the church and the government walking hand in hand that's just really sad. She was someone called to bring the rule of the kingdom here on earth. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, but let me go through 14 reasons why I love the queen. And I think these are takeaway lessons for all of us. And I, my first and my last one are my most important. Okay. So hold on to the end, but let me give you the first one. The first thing that I think is most important for us to know is that she really loved Jesus. She had a deep and personal faith. Her funeral was watched by 8 billion people. And though, yes, it was steeped in religious tradition, what came through, if you didn't watch it, I didn't stay up for it, but I watched it back later, what came through in nearly every word uttered was her love for Jesus. And you guys might not know this, but she actually prepared and planned her funeral. She was the one that chose all of the scriptures and all of the hymns. She wasn't a religious person. She had a personal relationship with her maker. For the queen, even though she was head of the church, her faith went far beyond duty and and protocol. There was a clergyman who knew her really well, and he said, I quote, her Christian faith is the scaffolding of her life, end of quote. I reckon I'm going to cry all the time during (laughs) this episode, but isn't that beautiful that her Christian faith is the scaffolding of her life? That's what I want for my life, for, for my faith and my believing God to be the scaffolding of my life. It shaped her life in ways that I think the public only saw more in, you know, later on in her reign. She went to church every Sunday of her life. Her father sang hymns to her as a child. She felt that her role as queen had been divinely assigned. She saw her calling as queen as a calling from God. She quoted Psalms. She knew the scripture truly well. 
And those who knew her well said that she actually evangelized better than anyone they knew, that she constantly used scriptures to bring comfort and hope to people. She knew and loved hymns, except she has been known to say, except for the dreary ones. She didn't like dreary hymns. She showed great love to people of other faiths also. She was actually the first British monarch to visit a mosque after 911. Now, for those that might not understand, understand the importance of that at the time you know muslim people were suffering and needing support because they were blaming people of the muslim faith for the attack and they um you know they they needed to know that their country didn't think that they were all terrorists and so she the queen was the first british monarch to go and visit the mosque to to let them know of her love and her support for them she was concerned during um the war and even beyond for the safety of the Jews, it was said that she was so immersed in scripture that she just would evangelize naturally, use it to comfort. She didn't speak openly about her politics, but she did speak openly about her faith. Now, in the Queen's own words at an Easter message, as the pandemic raised, uh, raged, she referred to the Easter story when she said, and I quote, as dark as death can be, particularly for those suffering with grief, light and life are greater, end of quote. So she often used her, uh, her yearly or twice yearly addresses, Christmas and Easter, to refer to her faith and to scripture. Um, some of the words that were spoken at her funeral, which was so moving, uh, the um, the Archbishop that performed her funeral said that our late Majesty's example was not set by her position or ambition, but by who she followed. When she was first uh, went through her coronation ceremony, when she first became queen, she made sure that the ceremony was began with a silent prayer. She was uh, anointed with oil. I don't know if you know that, but she was actually anointed with oil um, at her coronation. Her allegiance was given to God before it was given to any person or the country. She gave her allegiance to God. Her service had its very foundations in following Christ. Uh, Like I said, she went to church every single Sunday except for, I think, two. I think she was sick for one. I'm not sure about the other. She had personal meetings with Billy Graham. And something that I just thought, I I don't know if there's anything in this, but uh, the day that she died and the day of her funeral, on both those days, there was a rainbow over the castle. You can look it up yourself. Um, I'm not sure if it was over Buckingham Palace, but... There was a a rainbow on the day of a funeral and the day of her death. And when I saw pictures of that in the paper, for me, that was just, you know, and, and I love the fact they reported on that. It was just like, in my mind, God's tick of approval. Well done, Lily Bet, my good and faithful servant. You know, by God's grace, may I serve him until I'm 90 plus. I'm just so moved by how much she loved God and saw her whole life as service unto him. Okay, it took me all that time just to do number one. The next ones won't be so long. Second reason I absolutely adore her is she was a trusted leader. You know, on the eve of her coronation, she made a promise on the radio and she said, and I quote, throughout all my life and with all my heart, I shall strive to be worthy of your trust. And you know, she never broke that at that promise. People trusted her her whole life. And that is not easy as a leader to gain and to keep people's trust, especially 
in this climate we live in today. Number three, you might not know this about the queen, but she was very innovative. Go queen. It was actually her idea to televise her coronation on TV. That had never been done before. Now, you've got to remember, she was only 25 and she made that huge decision. Even though people around her disagreed, she knew her mind. She didn't double guess herself. Um, Another thing that showed her innovation and, and her kind of fun side too, she acted in a James Bond scene. Did you know that? It started with her starring in a skit with Daniel Craig to open the London Olympics. And the director then asked if he could use her likeness in the next movie. And she said, oh, oh, you don't have to use my likeness. I would like to star in that myself. You know, her innovation was subtle, um, which was really smart of her because she would then take people on, on a journey with her new ideas. Did you know that she created her own dog breed, a woman after my own heart? She created a, uh, you might know that she loved the corgi, that was her dog, but her and her sister created a cross with the dash hound and the corgi called the doggy. Uh, she was the first monarch, guys, to send an email. She was the one to launch the Royal YouTube channel. And when she visited the Google offices the following year after they uh, launched the Royal YouTube, she actually uploaded a video to the site. So there you go. Little, little Queenie was innovative. Number four, another reason I love her, she was a mum who still changed the world. Now, maybe there, there probably are a few things I would have done a little bit differently. Like I probably would have been maybe a little bit more like Lady Diana, where she she had her children with her a lot more. Um, and I probably would have done the same. Whereas the queen, she said that she felt better to leave them in the care of the nannies rather than dragging them around the world. But even after she became queen and had two little children, she still wanted more children. And so after 10 years, even though she's queen, she became pregnant twice. So talk about total girl boss. Now, Charles is a little bit interesting, but her other three children have all said that their mother was so warm. And when her uh, last two children were born, she actually took a step back from royal duties after having for about 18 months. Um, And so I love that she could be both mum and queen. And of course, she was a very beloved grandmother. Uh, Fifth reason I love her, she just kept on showing up. I love that about her. You know, she was just, she just was so consistent. She was so faithful. She just kept on keeping on. She never gave up. She worked, get this, she worked 30 years beyond the retirement age. So the retirement age is, what, 65 or 66. She didn't retire. She never retired. She worked another 30 years. You know, other people came and went, and she just was always there. She appointed 15 prime ministers in her reign, the first one being Winston Churchill, and the last one just the final days before her death. Um. So others would, would, you know, so many people came, came and went in, in and out of power, but she was always there. She showed up every year during um, Christmas for the Christmas broadcast. That was a yearly tradition. She sent out 750 Christmas cards every year. She hosted 30,000 people in garden parties. And I could go on and on about the different ways that the queen just kept on being present. It is very powerful when you're just present for the long haul in people's lives. Number six, she did what was right. 
even when it was hard. She didn't do what was popular opinion. Uh, She knew that if her job was to uphold godly values in her country, that she had to make decisions that seemed hard and harsh at times. She often had to make swift decisions and she tried to adhere to tradition while at the same time she was never old-fashioned. So um, yeah, she just always tried to do the right thing while at the same time being true to herself too. Did you know she allowed the Beatles to visit Buckingham Palace? Um, she was the first one to greet people up close instead of waving from afar. So she made all these kind of little decisions where she uh, you know, broke, broke tradition but did it slowly because she knew it was the right thing to do. Uh, she had to strip Diana of her Royal Highness title after the divorce, not because she didn't love her, not because she wanted to, but again, because divorce being against the church meant that she had to make that hard decision. Now, after the death of Diana, she was criticized for her slow reaction. And so a few days later, she addressed the nation. Uh, so, you know, she wasn't afraid, I guess, of, of um, not that she would have admitted when she was wrong, but of, of, of pivoting when she had to. And she didn't always get it right. And she tried to make amends if she had to, and she learned and she did better. But she always made decisions based on what she felt was the right thing to do at the time. Number seven, queen of hearts. She was resilient through uncertainty. I love that about her, resilient through uncertainty. You think what she experienced in her life, and she never flinched in the challenges war, the Great Depression, boom times, recessions, disasters, pandemics. She pushed through. She was resilient. She showed leadership. You know, during World War II, in 1940, when she was only 14 years old, she made the first radio address to evacuated children. And then four years later, at the age of 18, She persuaded her father to allow her to make a direct contribution to the war by joining the Women's Self-Defense Unit, and there she trained as an ambulance driver, earning the military rank of lieutenant. Now, her father made sure she was given no special treatment just because of her title and because of who she was. She had to start at the bottom. And it was her own efforts that saw that she was promoted to the equivalent of captain. The newspapers actually dubbed her Princess Auto Mechanic. So how awesome. She was resilient right back from when she was, you know, as young as 14 during World War II. She was resilient through the divorce of her children, which would have been such a shame on the royal family at the time. Resilient through the death of Diana, resilient through the fallout of Meghan and Harry. She remained strong and her strong sense of purpose fueled her resilience. Number eight, the thing I love about the queen, she is emotionally, she was emotionally resilient. I mean, I find that this is what, this is what, let me quote her. I think this is one of the reasons she was emotionally resilient. She said, I find that I can often put things out of my mind, which are disagreeable. Wouldn't that be a great way to live? Just to be able to put things out of your mind that are disagreeable. You know, in an age of emotional openness, her greatest strength was to dial down negative mind chatter. And for her, this prevented the crushing spiral of negativity from taking a mental stronghold or foothold, which I think we can all learn from that. 
The Queen once said, the trouble with gloom is that it feeds upon itself and depression causes more depression. I think she's so right. Gloom feeds upon itself and depression causes more depression. I think another key to her emotional resilience was that she she prayed every night before bed and she understood that whatever worries the world threw at her, that there was a higher throne on which to lay them. And number nine, the ninth reason I love the queen, she was truly kind. She was truly compassionate. I'll just tell you one story that will uh, demonstrate this. In 1966, there was a tiny mining town and tragedy struck when the tip um, that was in that town slid downhill onto the village and it actually killed 144 people. And the majority of those were children because it fell onto a school. So she went to the town, which by the way, she said one of the biggest regrets of her life was that she felt she took too many days to get there. But she actually kept in touch with one of the child, with the only, there was one child survivor of that school and she kept in touch with him her whole life. Uh, another, Another example of, you could tell her, her kindness and her compassion. You can see photographs of this. She would often cry around anything to do with honoring the sacrifice of the soldiers of World War I and World War II. Like tears fell down her face when she attended the Field of Remembrance at Westminster Abbey. Uh, in fact, she was moved to tears at several events for these fallen soldiers, which just shows her kindness and softness. Number 10, guys. This is a close to home one if you guys have been listening to this podcast for any length of time. I loved how she loved animals. I relate so much to this. So she got her first corgi when she was seven. And do you know, I read an article today that um, when she passed away, she was also surrounded by her corgis. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. Um, But she had a really special corgi given to her on her 18th party. And that corgi's name was Susan, funny name for a dog. And that dog, Susan, became the queen's companion through some of her biggest milestones. Susan accompanied her for her royal coronation, for her wedding, and get this, guys, even for her honeymoon. Now, do you know she also created a royal lineage of corgis by breeding Susan? And she bred Susan's um, line of corgis until she was 90. And do you know why she stopped? Get this. She stopped because she didn't want those corgis to outlive her. (laughs) And then when the last corgi in that line, Susan's line passed away, apparently the queen was really upset by that one. So whenever I see pictures of the queen with her precious corgis, something resonates in my heart. You know what happened to my beautiful big uh, grudel last year and how sad I was. I've got news about that, guys. I'm not going to tell you this week, but anyway. Uh, They said that her corgis kept her calm and happy as she battled tragedies, and they helped her to cope when she felt overwhelmed. Do you know that when Prince Philip died, she actually turned to her faithful companions for comfort and was given two new pups to help her grieve? 
So I think they were her joy and a great source of comfort and constant companionship. And of course, she also had a great love for horses, which she passed on to her children. Number 11, she had a signature style. If you notice that, just look up images of the queen. She always wore a bright color. Very, She wore very simple, like she never wore patterns. It just all was very simple and plain and block colors, but she always wore a bright color. And she said that she did that so the people can spot their queen in a crowd. Don't you love that? Not, not so the people can spot me in a crowd. She said so the people can spot their queen because the queen didn't make it about herself. But what she did understand was that her role and who she was was a symbol of hope and stability. So she wanted her people to feel safe. So I love that she was thoughtful even about that and that she had her own style and she totally rocked it. Number 12, I think her humanity made her really beautiful. Probably one of the moments that I saw her most as, you know, saw the human side was when she sat by herself at Prince Philip's funeral and she just looked so vulnerable and so sad. And, and in that moment, you know, it just brings a tear to my eye when I, I remember seeing that picture. She just looked so, you know, isolated, I guess. And in that moment, she was a wife who just lost her best friend. She was heartbroken and sad. And that just makes her life all the more beautiful to me, that her, her humanity made her life of sacrifice and service even more to be admired. You know, um, when she was in Scotland, it, it was said that she relaxed more, often wearing, you know, an everyday raincoat and a scarf around her head. I love seeing those pictures of her. That reminds me of the days where, you know, I just throw my hair up and I'm wearing my tracksuit. It's just, you know, she didn't want to always be dressed up. But when she was in her home home, um, one of her former security guards tells the story of how she ran into some American tourists on one of the, one of her walks. And not knowing who she was, they asked if she lived around here, to which she cheekily said she had a house nearby. And then when they asked if she had ever met the queen, she replied, oh no, but he has, pointing to her guard. Um, I think we also got to see her humanity sometimes in her speeches. She would joke about her age. Justin Trudeau, when he introduced her in 2015, he said, I am deeply mindful of your majesty's long and tireless service. And when she got up, she said, thank you for making me feel so old. So I just love that, the human moments that we see. She wasn't always stoic. Uh, number th- and I think too when we'd see those tears in the in the paper rolling down her cheek when she would stand before the fallen soldiers again a picture of her humanity. Number thirteen, and then I'm going to get to number fourteen, my my favorite my favorite other one other than my first point. Uh, she showed us how to live and love simultaneously. So what do I mean by that? Well. I love that she showed us that you can have the love of your life and still serve your purpose in life. So she, you know, was married to the love of her life with Prince Philip, but at the same time, she sacrificed her entire life. And so that's what I mean about she showed us that you could live your purpose and love simultaneously. You know, in 1954, when she visited Australia, apparently her and the prince were having an absolute doozy of a fight. 
and a cameraman actually caught it because he was outside just waiting for a glimpse of them. And he caught them fighting and he said that he saw Prince Philip flying out of the cabin, followed by a flying shoe and a tennis racket. So she must have been so annoyed with him that as he went out the door, she flung her shoe and a tennis racket at him. And then, of course, she realized that the cameraman caught it. And afterwards, she very calmly said to the cameraman, it happens in every marriage. Um, And of course, you know, there were rumors of her husband's affairs, and I guess we'll never know the truth, but they stuck by one another for life and she lived her life's purpose. I think that's just uh, a beautiful example. So we, oh, wow, I can't believe how quick we raced through that half an hour. I thought it would be longer. So if my first point was one of my favorites, which which was the fact that she loved Jesus so much and that her whole life uh, was um, undergirded by her love for Christ. The other thing I absolutely love about her, and I alluded to this at the beginning, was uh, that she was unapologetically female in her leadership unapologetically female in her leadership. This is probably one of my favorite things about the queen. One of my biggest takeaways is she showed us how to be a female and be a significant leader at the same time. She never pretended to be someone that she was not. She was fully herself. She didn't try to rule like a king. She never dominated conversations. She never exerted her power and she never made her presence known. She never used her wealth or power to make herself more important. But what she did do was to show feminine leadership qualities that were not, and still sometimes are not, popular at the start of her reign. She used qualities like love, guidance, dignity, understanding, respect, kindness. She listened And it was said by some of her prime ministers that she was a good sounding board. She connected with others. She made them feel seen and accepted. And she was ruled genuinely. She ruled genuinely and compassionately. She certainly had a really strong work ethic. She had incredible self-discipline. And at the same time, she was confident and she backed herself. And I think what our queen did most of all was she won our hearts. She worked her way into our hearts and she is the queen of hearts. And I know that she will be very, very missed. And I'm so honored that in my lifetime, I was alive at the same time as this incredible woman who I know will continue to be studied and talked about and has become such a significant part of our now history. So there you go. There's my 14 reasons why I absolutely love the Queen and why I'm really going to miss her. And I think the next season's going to be uh, really interesting uh, because I don't, I don't feel like King Charles has as much uh, that people have as much affection for him. Um, I know I don't. I don't think I hold much affection for him um, at all. So that will be really interesting to see what happens there. So she's a total girl boss and I want to take many uh, leaves out of her pages, so to speak. So there you go, guys. This is part two of The Crown and um, 
definitely come along Friday for Parenthood Friday, but then next week we'll be doing uh, our third part of The Crown. So I can't wait to be with you then. I hope you have the most wonderful week. And I reckon maybe next week I'll tell you my dog news because it's really exciting. It was exciting for me, right? And if the queen loved her corgis, I can love my dogs too. (laughs) Anyway, guys, thanks for joining me. I'll be with you soon. Bye.